five, four, three, two, one, go. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the BBFC podcast. I'm Catherine and I'm Head of Communications at the BBFC. I'm normally your podcast producer, but today I'll be taking you through some recent BBFC news items before handing over to examiners Karen and Craig, who will pick up where episode 26 left off, discussing the second half of James Furman's era as BBFC director. Now, it's been a fairly busy start to 2015 for the BBFC. On the 16th of March, we launched a new classification framework to filter video and website content available to customers under the age of 12 via EE mobile networks. The new classification framework is based on the PG standard and will be added to EE's strict content setting. On the 26th of March, the BPI and BBFC, in partnership with Vivo and YouTube and UK record companies Sony Music, Universal Music UK and Warner Music UK, announced that age ratings are now being displayed on the music videos they upload to digital service providers Vivo and YouTube. Now on to our main theme this week, a look back at the second half of the James Furman era at the BBFC. Earlier, film examiner Karen caught up with senior examiner Craig Laffer to hear about the later years of James Furman at the board. So, uh, welcome back, Craig. Uh, last time you talked about the first half of James Furman's time at the BBC from 1975 to 1984, and you briefly touched on the issue of the so-called video nasties and the introduction of the Video Recordings Act, the VRA. So uh, could you tell us a bit more about the challenges that faced James Furman and the BBFC when the VRA actually became law? Yeah, well, I suppose there are two aspects uh, to this. The first one is the massive... Um, technical and administrative challenge. Of course, the board for several years had been a relatively small organisation with about five uh, part-time examiners, um, suddenly dealing with potentially thousands of video works every year, not to mention the huge backlog of works already on the shelves, meant that the board expanded massively um, immediately after the introduction of the Video Recordings Act. So you started seeing... um, the number of examiners tipping into double figures and in fact by by the late 80s there were over 20 examiners working here um, and because video was a new medium that the board was just getting used to dealing with all sorts of new procedures of how to catalogue videos how to deal with them you know the, these kind of issues and programming works for large numbers of viewers uh, posed all sorts of uh, new challenges for the board in terms of working practices Um, but also in terms of um, how to implement the requirements of the Video Recordings Act. Um, As I said, there was a huge amount of videos already on the shelves, and the board somehow had to look at all of those, whilst also looking at the new videos that would be coming in. Um, And dealing with that kind of backlog was, was quite a major logistical challenge. It wasn't possible to classify everything overnight, so there was a staggered... Um, process of implementing the Video Recordings Act, whereby videos um, had certain deadlines by which they had to be classified, with uh, video nasties being amongst the first group, and then older films that had been released on uh, released in cinemas and already classified, um, having until 
1988, in fact, before the Act was fully implemented. Um, of course, the video nasties themselves had to be looked at as well. Um, this was a group of um, films that had been prosecuted for obscenity uh, in the period from 1982 to 1985. Uh, some of the more famous titles, things like I Spit on Your Grave, Driller Killer, those kind of uh, films. The board um, had to keep a fairly close eye on what was happening in the courts, um, certain films were less strong than other films and the results against them in the courts were fairly ambivalent. Uh, some some of the films were not regularly found obscene. Juries would decide that they weren't obscene. So the board had to keep an eye on this um, to ensure that any films that had been acquitted by the courts could be looked at with an open mind, whereas those films that the courts were regularly finding against... Uh, would not be given certificates after the Video Recordings Act was implemented. So that had been a pretty busy time for the board. Um, and in addition to the VRA, the 1980s also brought some significant changes to the board's classification system itself, didn't they? Yeah, the board had been operating with um, various knock-together improvements to the original classification system from 1912 right up to this point. So you still had categories like the U and A, which we'd been using since uh, 1912, and then the X, which we've been using since the 1950s. Um, a number of problems had arisen with the current classification system. Um, there was an AA certificate, which I don't think anyone really understood what AA meant, chiefly because it didn't stand for anything. Um, it was a sort of mid-teen category, meaning that uh, persons under 14 shouldn't be admitted but there was a feeling that uh, not only was the category itself slightly nonsensical but the 14 was perhaps slightly too low uh, a problem had also developed with the x category that it had come to be associated with uh, sex and exploitation films uh, not entirely fairly because there were of course a lot of uh, perfectly decent and serious X-rated films, but nonetheless it had been misused so much in marketing uh, that it had uh, developed a certain aura to it. So a decision was taken in the early 80s to have, have another look at the category system, um, and, and the coming of video gave a good opportunity to do this. So we kept the, the U certificate, which, which has always existed and meant broadly the same thing, uh, we changed the A category, which had chopped and changed its meaning so many times, to PG, which at least stood for something and arguably made more sense to parents, so parental guidance. And then the uh, the double A certificate was converted into a 15, and the X certificate was uh, converted into an 18. So just using the age restrictions uh, simplified it and also took away some of that um, tarnished reputation that the uh, X had uh, had introduced. Um, nonetheless, even though in 1982 we introduced this new system of UPG 1518, there was still quite a yawning gap between the PG category and the 15 category. Um, so the problem wasn't uh, it wasn't immediately solved at the time. This did mean that in the late 1980s. Um, the board decided to finally introduce the 12 certificate to uh, breach, uh, to, to, to cover that uh, gap between the PG and the 15. 
So James oversaw quite a few significant changes uh, at the BBFC, um, but his tenure was often regarded as, as quite controversial. Uh, can you tell us why, why you think this was? Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because you, you, you would have expected that with the introduction of the Video Recordings Act, um, some of the controversy about films and videos would have subsided. Um, the introduction of the Video Recordings Act meant that um, unclassified extreme films like the Video Nasties could no longer be released. It also meant that, uh, in theory, uh, films rated 15 or 18 would be taken away from children, whereas one of the concerns at the time of the Video Nasties was that there was no effective classification system because there were no penalties for supplying um, an adult film to children. However... Uh, In practice, what tended to happen was there was a cycle, particularly through the late 80s and into the early 90s, when any events that happened, uh, tragic events like Hungerford, like Dunblane, or like the the killing of Jamie Bulger, often with little or no evidence, um, the finger would be pointed at video, perhaps because it was just an easy an easy way of explaining uh, problems or shocking incidents that had happened in society. So normally about every two years, just when things seemed to be settling down after the introduction of the Video Recordings Act, there would be a big outcry about was it violent videos that had uh, led to these kind of incidents and suddenly the focus would be put on the board and pressure put on the board to, you know, do something about violent videos. And I think this constant cycle that happened throughout that period made it very difficult um, for James Furman to do anything other than, uh, than be fairly strict on videos, perhaps stricter than some people would have liked. Um, the... Uh, incident with um, the, the murder of James Bulger in particular started to bring about uh, interest in Parliament in strengthening the tests of the Video Recordings Act. Um, that there was a suggestion in 1993, 1994, that perhaps the most appropriate response might be to not allow any videos to be sold above the PG level. And that was, in fact, something that James strongly resisted along with the the, the video industry. Um, So although on the one hand James was out of necessity having to demonstrate uh, that the board was taking a very strict and precautionary approach towards video classification, it's also worth saying that James, uh, James did fight back to some degree against some of the more extreme suggestions that were made regarding uh, video violence uh, which w- which were often made in the absence of uh, any any clear evidence uh, that the videos in question had been involved he often seemed to have uh, very particular areas of concern in in the works that were submitted to the board um, such as the presentation of martial arts weaponry and and the depictions of drug injections yeah, James is notorious for his so-called obsession with martial arts weapons. Um, in fairness to James, it's worth saying that uh, the board's concerns about things like uh, chain sticks and throwing stars um, actually started under his predecessor, Stephen Murphy, 
and, and cuts had been made to scenes of uh, chain sticks before James arrived at the board. It's also worth saying that um, James's concerns and uh, Stephen Murphy's concerns to some degree were the result of uh, the police and other authorities saying to us that these were these were problems and was there something that could be done about it. Of course, one of the things about video is the fact that it can be repeatedly played and techniques can be learned from videos and that was that was one thing that was at the forefront of the board's the board's thinking. Um, nonetheless, I think I think there was a feeling that although James was prepared to take context into account in, in a lot of decisions, when it came to certain areas like uh, throwing stars, chain sticks, or as he said, certain types of depictions of drug use, that uh, ultimately it did degenerate into a, a prescriptive series of rules that there were certain things you could never see uh, on the screen in any circumstances and I think that that led to a lot of uh, a lot of uh, ridicule by you know by, by, by fans of martial arts films and so forth slight slightly unfair uh, but but I think uh, perhaps that uh, introduction of prescriptive rules and ignoring of uh, context, um, certainly disappointed viewers of those kind of films. It could also be said that his uh, approach to horror films upset many of the uh, horror fans as well. Yeah, um, again, it has to be borne in mind that uh, the whole the whole impetus for introducing the video recordings act was uh, was concern about video nasties and the access of um, children, especially to unregulated uh, horror video cassettes. So the boards. Concerns about horror videos during the 80s and 90s um, are to some degree inevitable and to some degree the result of external events. Um, I think it's fair to say that uh, in James's time during the late 70s and the early 80s, he was, if anything, relaxing slightly um, on standards on horror. The introduction of the Obscene Publications Act to film meant that films were being judged uh, on, on more of a contextual basis than previously. Um, and, and if you look at some of the decisions that Stephen Murphy was making on horror films in the early 70s, um, like the heavy cuts to the Paul Morrissey films, Blood for Dracula, Flesh for Frankenstein, then by by the early 80s, James was passing those films uncut or nearly uncut. So there had actually been a relaxation on on horror under under James Furman. Um, but then inevitably, when, when the video nasties crisis erupted, um, we found that it wasn't just films that the board hadn't allowed or that the board wouldn't have allowed that were being put on the list and, and prosecuted, but some films that the board had passed uh, were being prosecuted for obscenity. That obviously meant that when it came to classifying horror videos on, on video, the board was going to have to tighten its standards um, beyond where they'd actually been in the early 80s, partly because um, even though there would now be a classification system, once the videos got into the home, there was less control over who would see them. So I think this created an impression that James was being uh, unfairly strict on horror videos, but I think you, you have to look at that in the wider context. Um, I, I do remember that uh, after James had left the board, I, I asked him whether there were any particular decisions he looked back on and regretted, and he did say to me that one of the uh, one of the decisions he regretted was the Evil Dead, and that he regretted the the, the cuts he'd imposed on the film. So I think uh, 
Um, I think it's misleading to say that uh, James was particularly anti-horror films. I think what he what he was against was um, works that he felt reveled in sadism merely for the sake of sadism, and also works that mixed up horror with sexual violence. But he he, he could actually be surprisingly lenient on straight horror, straightforward horror when circumstances permitted, as you can see from his decision to pass films like Bad Taste. And considering that James Furman was one of the uh, longest-serving secretaries that the, that the board had, not the longest, but one of them, um, what would you say would uh, would be his legacy today? Yeah, well, he's uh, he was, of course, in charge at the board for a quarter of a century, so more or less a quarter of a quarter of the board's life. So he's ha- he's had a huge uh, influence. Of course, the most obvious influence is the modern classification system. It was it was James who introduced the system of. UPG 12, 15, 18, with which everyone's familiar now. Um, but more generally, I think uh, James's uh, constant stressing of the importance of context um, has, 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 has had a huge impact on, on, on the board's thinking. Um, also, his uh, opinions on sexual violence um, are, still, are still relevant today. His... Um, his belief that uh, irresponsible, eroticised portrayals of sexual violence are potentially harmful, whereas serious depictions um, are acceptable. Um, but also, in some respects, um, I think James's successors have learnt from perhaps what might be regarded as some of his failings. Um, during James's time, there was uh, perhaps not, not the emphasis we have today on public consultation, for example... Um, there was also a tendency sometimes when difficult issues arose, um, either outside the board or internally, to to sit on them um, and, and and to see how it worked out before uh, before coming to a decision. So I think certainly um, some of those errors have influenced what's happened after James's time in terms of ensuring that our guidelines are based clearly on what uh, what the public expect. Um, and 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 also in terms of ensuring that uh, works are turned around rather than holding them up and allowing a, a head of steam to build up behind them. Well, thank you very much, Craig. You've taken us through a very um, significant and, and quite an extensive part of the board's history there, so uh, thank you very much. Well, that's all we have time for on this episode of the podcast. Don't forget you can still send us your questions or ideas for things you'd like to hear about in future episodes by emailing podcast at bbfc.co.uk. You can also talk to us on Twitter via at bbfc. I think I got it, but just in case, tell me the whole thing again, I wasn't listening.